and welcome to the Voice First Roundtable. This is season two, episode two of our one-on-one half-hour interview show, looking at a lot of interesting people doing a lot of interesting work across the landscape of voice technology and the underlying AI that supports it. Today is Tuesday, February the 25th, 2020. This episode will go live next week. We are speaking with Bianca Phillips. Bianca, say hello. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Bianca, thank you for uh, taking some time to join me. So tell everybody uh, who you are, what you do, and where you are. Um, cause you're in a little bit of different place and, um, just, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, well, I'm in Australia, Melbourne, Australia. Um, I'm a lawyer with a research expertise in medical law and digital health law. I went into this area, uh, when I was about 23 and I was working in a, a corporate role, corporate legal role. And then something quite profound happened, um, in my life that then moved me to medical law and digital health law. So for me, this space is of, of immense importance and interest. Um, day to day, I teach law. So I lecture in law at the um, Trobe Law School and previously at Swinburne University of Technology. And in that role, I teach across a range of different subjects. So it's not just medical law, digital health. It could be anything from administrative law to constitutional civil procedure, a range of different topics. And I really enjoyed that role. By night, I'm researching. I'm doing all of my research work. Um, so that has included uh, two, I did two series for LexisNexis on digitized medicine. And that was published to legal practitioners, people practicing in uh, law who, who are looking for information about digital health. Um, I then have my six-part series for the Medical Journal of Australia looking at digital health law. And as part of that project, I invited guests to join from engineering, medicine and law to partake in discussions. Um, there's been a range of other publications that I've done across various different topics, including voice, assisted reproduction, gene patients, data ownership um, and a range of other topics. And then I have my formal qualifications uh, the Masters of Health and Medical Law, and uh, the PhD program, where I'm writing about digital health lawmaking. And then in addition to all of that, uh, there's also been the consulting roles that I've had, uh, working with a medical law litigator and a range of other interesting projects. Um, on the side, um, this is, you know, really has been uh, all completed while I'm raising two beautiful daughters as well. So I have uh, two children, two and four years old, and I, you know, I'm with them and, and doing all of this work as well. You tire me out just even going through all that. <laughs> oh, no, that's not a good start. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you're uh, uh, doing amazing work. And, you know, it's, it, it's interesting to see that... Um, you know, as I've gotten to know you, Bianca, and and other folks who have sort of taken some time and researched ethic, ethics and ethical considerations of various parts of the technology, uh, you know, that we're uh, inundated with now with voice tech, um, it's, it's been interesting to, to reflect on the fact that 
you know, two and a half to three years ago, we started Voice First FM. Crickets were chirping. There wasn't a lot going on. People didn't really know what to make of this Alexa thing. Um, yeah, people have been working in the space for years, but those people have kept to themselves the whole time. And it, it just snowballed. And now everybody's got an Echo device in their house. And now we have to have people thinking about ethics. And we have to have people thinking about legalities and regulations and how um, government uh, can and possibly should be protecting people um, as this technology proliferates. I want to start just by asking you, you know, you look at healthcare. I know you you do a lot with healthcare, but just in general, tell me maybe what you think the singular most important aspect of this voice tech, this rise of voice technology is. And what are you most concerned about ethically? What are you most concerned about legally? Tell me, tell me one or maybe two things that are just absolutely top of mind for you as you think about voice. Okay, so top of mind for me at the moment is really looking at data ownership, which is an issue that cuts not only across voice, but digital health and within other industries as well. Um, so data ownership is one in which I think that we'll be having quite a bit of focus on. The other is um, really around all domains of lawmaking in digital health and in voice technologies. So there are five areas of lawmaking. There's judicial lawmaking, legislative lawmaking, administrative, private ordering, and interpretive issues. And I think across each of those domains, we're going to be seeing quite a lot of work happening, quite a lot of new insights and um, progression over the next one to five years within this particular area of voice. So within the private ordering aspect of lawmaking, if you put that in its own category, um, you're going to have the creation of voice standards, for example, to help the uh, the community, the voice community, navigate through this complex environment, this complex legal environment. That will create a set of standards that people can, can work with. Uh, but then we'll have um, more probably uh, cases coming about that will provide some guidance. We'll have government intervention at the legislative level to, um, to discuss the various issues and bring, bring them to the forefront. I think most people within digital health are quite and within voice quite aware of the predominant legal issues. When I have conversations with uh, people in the voice community, they will list the privacy concerns, security issues, data ownership, consent, capacity, uh, human rights issues, uh, those relating to the recording of the, the voice of a child. Um, people are very aware of them. Uh, but really, I think what, uh, what they need are standards that will help them navigate this important field. Uh, yeah, that's great. That's a great synopsis. Um, you know, with This Week in Voice, we've seen a lot of stories over the last couple of years of ethical quandaries. You know, uh, one that made probably the most news was when there was a, I think it was a double murder. Um, it was in Mississippi or Louisiana. It was in the United States. And, and, uh, and the FBI um, you know, the, the legal authorities over here wanted to get their hands on <clears throat> uh, the smart speaker recordings from that house. And a whole 
whole rigmarole of Amazon saying no. And then I think they ultimately did. Um, and of course that interim disagreement caused this to get out into the public discourse, uh, in a really interesting way. If I speak to a smart speaker, if, if I speak to my smart, smart speaker in my house, reasonable expectation that, uh, you know, you, it, it, best practice, you think that, uh, I can delete that anytime I want. Nobody has access to it, um, for any reason, or do you think it's a better practice, all things considered public safety and macro factors, as well as individual freedoms to have someone listening? Uh, cause that's been a major issue of 2019. They've got human people listening. We found out about it. Now what? Good idea to have human people listening to the recordings or you think, no, the bad idea and, and we should have total control. Okay. So my personal view on that is um, for the most part, we need to protect the individual freedom and the right of people to um, have privacy within their home and uh, that, that sense of security and trust in, in the system. Right. Um, however, there have to be, in my view, exceptions for public interest reasons, for, for uh, you know, macro issues, as you mentioned. So um, that can all be written into law and it can be done in a way that is, um, you know, narrows those exceptions to particular, just particular circumstances. And then you could go into you know, quite detailed discussions around how we write those exceptions. Um, there are many examples within law where uh, you have the protection of uh, fundamental freedoms and rights, um, you know, with some exceptions. Um, so that's, that's kind of, that's my view on it. Yeah, I, I, I'm inclined to agree with you. I, I'm also intrigued by, um, so you've been the part of the Voice of Healthcare Summit with us, and you, we've gotten to know you through some of our events. And um, also part of the Voice of Healthcare Summit with us has been a company called Canary Speech. And this company, and they're part of Project Voice as well, this company, uh, Canary Speech, uh, is one of several that... Um, is taking it taking on the task of whereas most voice experiences are all about the words you say canary speech is about how they are said and, and the the latent and hidden data in our voice and in our in our vocal cords and in our vocal output and um I got in a conversation with one of them about this, but I'll ask you I'm, just to get your thoughts. You know, let's say somebody is in um, a hospital room uh, or they're in a senior living facility and, uh, you know, the technology gets to the point that these AIs, you know, Alexa, Google Assistant, the, the, the AI gets to the point where it can diagnose diseases through the words coming out of your mouth, through the sound of your voice relative to a benchmark um, that is recorded, um, and it's gathering healthcare data on you. And maybe it figures out that, you know, you sound a little bit different than you sounded three weeks ago. And we know through the magic of machine learning that you're 82% likely to have lung cancer. Um, and this person sitting in the, in their senior living facilities never asked, uh, you know, never thought about that. 
What are your thoughts on medical data as it relates to, you know, some of these frontier companies? Like, do you like what Canary Speech is doing? Do you like what some of these companies are doing to sort of get out in, in terms of predict, predicting things and predictive diagnoses? Or, or are you more conservative in, in how the technology ought to function? I'm curious as to your thoughts. Personally, I really like what they're doing. So my take on this is that, you know, there has to be adequate consent. Um, the person has to understand exactly um, what is being measured, um, you know, so that they know what, what they're engaging in exactly and, and um, the, the benefits and risks um, associated with them. They have to make that decision to participate or not. But I am uh, very excited to hear about the different technologies that are underway. In fact, it was... Um, when I was looking at EHR systems and the, the lawmaking processes for EHR um, and reading about physician burnout and um, the, the difficulty that doctors face in having to click on different files and read through everything, I did that research and came across what's going on, um, the work being done at Vanderbilt University by um, Yakuma Crystal. That really got me interested in attending the VOH Summit uh, last year. And then hearing about her work and also the work of so many others, including Canary Speech, it really um, it made me want to come back for more. And that's why I wanted to attend Project Voice AI. So it's um, really interesting. Um, I got another ethical question for you. I, I like being able to sort of pepper you with these because sure. I... I ask questions on my personal opinion, which is so it's actually nice to have. <laughs> yeah, I... I um... It's fun to ask you this stuff just because this is, you know, this is, you're wired this way and, and just to, you're, I know you're thinking about some of these things. And, you know, with the fact that you have children, I want to ask you about something that was in the news this week. Um, and then I'll, I'll follow up and close by just asking you a general question about 2020. Uh, but um, this week in the news, actually it was toward the end of last week in the news, um, there was something called Toy Fair going on in New York City. And part of Toy Fair, which is a big conference, big convention, trade show for, for toys and toy makers, um, they came out with uh, this toy maker, I forget the name, but Amazon worked with them on it. They, they came out with this toy uh, kitchen and um, this, this play area kitchen, um, except it's not just any play area kitchen. This play area kitchen had a toy echo speaker built in to where children um, playing, you know, and, and cooking food, imaginary food and all the things you, you would do in a play kitchen. You can also ask Alexa for information um, in a very limited play-ish child-friendly sort of way um, as part of this whole deal. And I was asked about this by CNET uh, because they were doing a story on it and um, gave the reporters some background information um, on that. But uh, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. You know, we've, um, on one hand, there's an argument and a lot of people in the United States, you know, not, there's several prominent nonprofits that are child advocacy organizations that say, you know, children cannot defend themselves from um, the, the, the onslaught of 
brand identity marketing. Um, and, um, and these companies know that and they, and they put stuff like Alexa in a toy kitchen just to build brand affinity when a child is defenseless against it and has no reasoning to evaluate it. The flip side of that is that this is what mommy and daddy do. Mommy and daddy or whoever, you know, whoever the parents and guardians are or whatever have got, got Alexa in the kitchen and why, you know, this is a limited version. So why not? It's, it's all fun and it's all play. I'm curious to your thoughts. Okay. So I put a lot of emphasis on the responsibility of parents um, also to make sure that their children are exposed to the, the age appropriate things um, that if they're, um, that there are certain toys that would not be um, a good idea for that child, but they protect their child as best as possible. That being said, um, you know, these companies have compliance requirements around recording voices of children that I assume, I'm going to assume for this, um, this session that they're, they're meeting those compliance requirements. And as we progress, further standards will need to be developed to manage this particular issue because it, it is an issue. Um, it's a very important one and there'll be considerable focus on this over the next few years. Um, you know, as a parent, personally, I, I make choices every day on what my children watch on TV. I sit there and I listen to the shows they're watching and I make sure that they're appropriate. If I'm not happy with something, I put it to a different station. And you're exposed, unfortunately, to so much um, around you. So I think parents are going to have to really step up on this, but we're also going to have to see standards um, emerging as well to, to balance it out. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And, it, it you know, the thing I think about, too, which I've commented on is that isn't it amazing? And this is sort of a side note, uh, just sort of a punctuation mark to, to your comment. Um, isn't it amazing that with Alexa, just to use Alexa as an example, when we ask Alexa, anybody, any human being, ask Alexa, hey, Alexa, tell me a bedtime story or Alexa, uh, I want to activate this third-party skill, or Alexa, um, whatever it is you might ask from a content standpoint. We have no idea what Alexa is about to say. Mm-hmm. I'm talking none. Yes. Movies, movies have rating systems. Um, songs have, uh, you know, and albums have like explicit content warnings on the on the cover and things. Uh, that are required by law. Um, if um, actually, I don't know if explicit content is required by law. That's for somebody else, I guess. It, I think it's. I think they stopped short of making that a law. I digress. Um, video games have a rating system. It's fascinating that we're in these early days of voice technology and these smart speakers and voice assistants in the car and everywhere else, and. Um, there's no content guidance and you know, that's going to change just sort of interesting. Very interesting. Um, very interesting, very bold move by these companies to, you know, to get these products out there without the standards. Um, it's going to be a really interesting space to watch. And uh, as you said, those standards are being developed. They're being worked through at the moment. Um, there, are, there are people working on that. So, um, yeah. It's, it's, ine- it's inevitable. Um, my last question for you, 
you know, you know as much about this stuff as anybody. I'm, I'm curious, uh, and it can be healthcare focused or it can just be general macro level. Tell me what excites you the most or what you're most looking forward to about uh, in the realm of voice technology in 2020. Um, any particular thing that you're most looking forward to or, or something that you expect to happen? Share, share with me your thoughts. I mean, with, uh, with the various skills that um, we'll be able to um, you know, util utilize uh, Alexa uh, with HIPAA compliance, I'm very interested to see um, how that goes, how the, um, whether more skills will, um, will be included um, as part of that and whether other uh, companies will also be able to secure that kind of HIPAA compliance for development of skills. So I think it's, that's, that's something I'm quite interested in. And generally within the digital health sphere, um, really interested to see what new technologies are going to come out this year. Hey, you and me both. You and me both. Uh, Bianca, thank you very, very much for joining me on the Voice First Roundtable, taking a little bit of time out of your schedule. Um, all the way on the other side of the world, the land down under, um, to be part of it. Uh, thank you for sharing your experience and your expertise with us. It's greatly appreciated. Thank you very much, Bradley. Thanks. For the voice, sure, for the, absolutely. For the, vo for the Voice First Roundtable, season two, episode two, thank you for watching. If you're watching on YouTube, thank you for listening. Until next time.